There was a recent survey that revealed that 80% of us would classify ourselves as patient people. (laughs) The numbers tell a much different story. 96% of those surveyed knowingly consume extremely hot food or drinks that burn their mouths. I think I did that this morning with coffee, actually. 56% of us have honked at a driver in front of them after the light has turned green. 62% push an elevator button multiple times. And my my favorite one, this is my favorite one, 25% of those surveyed buy screw-top wine instead of the cork bottles to save time. Patience may be a virtue, but it's no longer a reality for us. Uh, That's what we're going to dive into a little bit today is how can we develop the character trait of endurance and just continuing to to push through the hard stuff. Our uh, our servers are going to collect our offering right now, and we are so grateful for your generosity in that we're thankful for uh, the, the huge difference that it makes, not only here in this community, but around the world as well. So as they're doing that, I just want to celebrate a few things. Just to kind of show you, this is what God is continuing, to, how he uses our faithfulness uh, to, to, spread, to spread the gospel and the kingdom. Last Sunday, we got to celebrate with a real special young lady named Haley Smith, who uh, accepted Christ and was baptized. So we want to give it up for Haley. Just a great day for her. And as we mentioned, uh, starting point, we we are having our starting point gathering tonight, which we have about every six to eight weeks, and that is kind of if you're new to us and maybe you'd like to get plugged in or you say, I I want to, uh, I'd like to join this church, or maybe you've got questions about uh, what it looks like to take a next step with Christ or how do I get involved here, this would be a great opportunity. We've actually got, I think, so many people signed up tonight. It's one of our largest ones that we've ever had here, uh, but we still have room. We'll make room for you. Texas Roadhouse is catering, so, uh, man, you just can't go wrong there. The, 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 the rolls, we'll have plenty of the rolls, so it's good. Uh, would love to have you join us for that. Uh, let us know that you're coming, though, if you can stop by the Next Steps area before you leave. It's going to start at 5 o'clock tonight, and, uh, man, we just can't say enough about Super Sunday that's coming up in just a couple of weeks, our Super Bowl of preaching, which has just become such a huge deal. And here's where we need your help in this, is we, uh, during the preach-off, each, each preacher has to draw a random phrase, and we have to work it into our sermon. And, a lot, and people ask me every year, they say, was that pre-planned? Did you know what you were going to draw? And the answer is absolutely not. We have no idea and we just thought that we would kind of tip our hat this year to the Swifties out there and uh, ask you if you would text, if you'd take a picture of the screen real quick or grab that phone number so you have it, uh, text a Taylor Swift lyric. I know you know so many of them. So <laughs> ask your kids, you know, when they finish here, whatever. But whatever, your favorite Taylor Swift lyric to that phone number and uh, we're going to screen out all the bad ones. So if you, like, try to sneak in an ACDC lyric, I appreciate that, but it's not going to make the cut. And as you leave today, well, we really hope that you'll be thinking about who you're inviting, who you might want to bring to that day, because we're, we're expecting a large crowd. We're going to be having three identical services that day at 9, at 1015, 
and 11.30. So if you show up at the 9.30, uh, you'll, you'll be either late or early, depending on, on which one you know, you're going to stick around for. We'll have tailgating in between. So uh, from 10 to noon, there'll be a lot of food over in the Family Life Center, and there'll be stuff everywhere, all over the place. It's going to be a kind of a, a celebration over there. But as you leave, we're going to be giving out these tickets. So you take as many of these as you need. These are just kind of, we use them as invitations. It's got a little QR code there that'll take you to our website for more info. So grab as many of these as you'd like and give them out to friends and neighbors and coworkers and invite them just to join us for uh, just a, it's a fun day, but it's also just a way to, to honor the Lord and kind of let our hair down and just, just really, really uh, just enjoy, enjoy the day. Well, we've been looking at this story of Joseph in the Old Testament and the reality that we will all face tremendous problems at different times in our lives. And he certainly knew a lot about that as we've been kind of walking through his story. If you haven't been with us, uh, we'll tr- I'll try to catch up a little bit, but you can find all of his story in the book of Genesis, chapter 37 to 50, if you want to read it, and I would encourage you to, to go home and read it, because it's a lot of great stuff. We're kind of hitting the highlights, but what we are really pulling out of this, out, out of his story, is just the reminder that the Lord promises to, to take the bad situations in our life, and he can, tur- he can turn them into good for us. He wants to bless us, and we, we have to understand that in life, punches are going to come. We're going to get, we're going to take some shots here and there, but we have to continue to stand strong and to trust. I I love the passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul writes about, he talks about putting on the full armor of God. He's like, this is how you, this is how you take a stand against the devil. This is how you stand firm in the truth. And in verse, uh, in verse 13, it just says, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, and then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. After you've taken a punch, and yes, it might knock you down. Something happens in life that was unexpected. You get a diagnosis that came out of nowhere, or you get you know, somebody who said something that was really painful, or some other unfair thing, you know, circumstance you find yourself in, and it knocks you down, but you, because of your, your, your courage and your faith in who God is, you can get back up and you'll be standing firm. We, we forget that life is a battlefield and we have a real enemy. We, we have a true spiritual enemy that his main goal is to just throw chaos into your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy all the good work of God that he's doing in your life. He wants to, he wants to crush you. He wants to, he wants to beat you down and life is hard sometimes. I'm inspired. I'm always inspired by the stories of people who have gone through adversity and come through it, you know, when all the odds were against them and, and, and they, they overcome. And some of you right now, that's, that's been your story or part of it, uh, whether you're a single parent and money is tight and, and that wasn't the life that you ever planned. It's not the life that you ever wanted. And here you find yourself and, and you're doing everything you can to give your kid a shot at something better. You're overcoming. Uh, whether you, you've had to deal with some really unfair treatment at work and, and you, didn't let it make, you didn't let it make you bitter. You, you, did, you refused to become that person. You stayed the course and you proved yourself and then you're given greater opportunities 
You know, you just continue to rise. I love listening to stories from veterans, people who've served and, you know, just been in these situations that a lot of us can't even imagine what that must have been like. And yet, to survive and to come home, I, uh, I had an elder at a, a previous ministry, great guy. I mean, just tremendous guy. And he was a, a Marine in the Vietnam War. He was actually, sir, he was a tunnel rat. If you have never heard of that term, you ought to look it up. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, and that he, that this, the courage that he had and then uh, managed to survive that. It's just unbelievably brave. Life can be so, so hard. And, and part of learning how to take a punch is knowing that it's not going to all be rainbow, rainbows and lollipops coming out, out of our nose all the time. Sometimes you've just, got to, you've just got to hang on. And as we've looked at Joseph's story, I love the comparison that we've found in this website that I told you about. Just kind of a, it, it's, it's kind of goofy, but it's got some great info. It's called theartofmanliness.com. And if you haven't, if you haven't looked it up, I, you, you ought to check it out because it's, it's full of a bunch of cool stuff. But one of the articles that I found on there is it's called how to how to take a punch and minimize its effects, and uh, and here's here's the next piece of advice that it gives us. A couple of weeks ago we looked at said keep your head steady, and last last week it uh, talked about rolling with a punch, you know, moving in the same trajectory. Here's the next piece of advice it gives us. It says brace for it. If you can't roll with a punch, your last resort. Your last tactic is to brace yourself for its impact. Clench your jaw, flex your neck, and tuck your chin to your chest. At the same time, bend your knees and lower your butt. Your goal is to try to get the punch to hit the top of your head about four inches above your eyebrows. Now listen, this is still going to hurt. (laughs) And you will likely get some cuts to your forehead and your head, but it reduces the chances of getting knocked out. You got that? What's the point here that we're making? What are we looking at from Joseph's story? Sometimes you just got to brace for it. You got to brace for impact. You know it's coming. You just got to stare it in the face and hang on. You can't cower in fear. So Joseph, he starts out, he is his father's favorite kid. And uh, his father proves that to him by giving him this coat or this robe of many colors, and, which would have been a very expensive, very rare gift made with different colors, you know, dyes. That was a, a real luxury item. And not only that, not only is his dad's favorite, he struggled with, he struggled with pride. He's kind of got this tension between pride and humility going. And, uh, and he has this gift from God where he's able to have dreams and he's able to interpret dreams, which is... Uh, God is speaking to him through his own dreams, through the dreams of other people. And he's the youngest of all these brothers. And uh, he, he had the, a couple of times he had dreams where his brothers were bowing down to him. And, and he let them know about that. He said, hey, guys, I had this dream where you all were bowing down to me. How about, what do you think? Isn't that great? And they didn't think it was so great. And so they, uh, they decided we want to get rid of him. So they sold him into slavery which is a terrible, you know, rips up their family. They told their dad that a wild animal attacked him and tore him to pieces. So it's just been a terrible situation for him. He finds himself in the house of this Egyptian official named Potiphar. And so, you know, it's kind of like making lemonade out of lemons. He's in a good situation, and he's doing such a good job there that the guy elevates him, puts him over, gives him responsibility over everything in his house. 
And so everything's continuing to go well until one day that Potiphar's wife decides that she wants Joseph. And he's, and he's made up his mind. This is not going to happen. I'm not going to sin against God. This is wrong. So she accuses him of trying to sexually assault her. So now he's labeled falsely as a sexual predator. And he's thrown into prison. And that's where he finds himself. It's a terrible, terrible situation. And the only way he's been able to survive all of this is just by hanging on. Just by bracing it. And we're going to see that it's in his ability to do that. To be able to hang on. To be able to brace. It's allowed him to really succeed with God's strength a little later on. So I'm going to look at a few verses. And we're going to be in Genesis 40. Starting in verse 1 is where we pick up the story. It says that sometime later, Pharaoh's chief uh, chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. And they remained in prison for quite some time and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. You you remember that even in prison, Joseph, uh, God was using him, the the captain of the prison guard had elevated Joseph even there to to be overseeing uh, some of the other prisoners. And so now he's found himself where a couple of the of Pharaoh's servants, who's the most powerful man in the world at the at the time, uh, two of his you know, two of his officials. Now he's Pharaoh. Uh, Joseph is looking after them. It says while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Verse 7, he says, well, why do you look so worried today? And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Listen to what Joseph says. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. That sounds a little cocky, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, what he just said there, that's, that's pretty bold. But he's saying, interpreting dreams, that's, that's what God does. That's God's business. So you may as well go ahead and tell me. Because God and I, we're like this. I mean, you know, he's with me and I'm with him. We're so close. You may as well. And, and this may be part of the problem here. That Joseph's still, he's still wrestling with this. He's got this edge. He's got this little bit of pride that, that God is still trying to sand off of him. And we're going to see later on, he's, he's called to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. And, uh, and he says, hey, it's, it's not me, but God will give you an answer. But uh, you, you'll see this, this spiritual progression with him. But, but you kind of have to, even though, it, even though it, to me, I think it sounds prideful, uh, you kind of have to admire his confidence a little bit in the sense that, hey, he was... He was confident that God was with him and that God would use him and that he had this gifting and, and things may not be going the way that he'd hoped. But he says, well, I know that the Lord's with me. You, you know, at least he hasn't collapsed and said, well, you know, God doesn't care about me or I, maybe there is no God. Or, you know, he, hasn't, he hasn't gone to where a lot of us go when we have doubts and we're struggling through hard things and we just immediately want to give up. He's, he's still got that confidence, but... He's, he's still got a little ways to go here in maturity. And there's no way that this was 
pleasant for him. But nothing was wasted. And we, we have to know that too in our lives. When we're going through the things that just feel totally pointless. You know, just unnecessary pain. We have to remember with God, nothing is wasted. He's using all things to bring about good in our life. This is a major way that God's going to grow us in maturity. You have to know this. That trials produce character. Without trials, without resistance, people are weak. I mean, that's, that's like 101, health class. You know if you're, going to, if you're going to build strength, you need resistance. You have to lift something heavy. You've got to tear down, break down muscle fibers so that they can come back stronger. That, that's just the way it works. And it's the way it works in, in our lives. It trials, the hard things that you and I go through, we ask ourselves, why would, God let me, why would God let me walk through this? Why doesn't he just take it away? Why would, how is this possibly part of his plan? And we, we forget that he's using all of these things to grow us into the people that he wants us to be. Joseph would not have been the man that he was if he hadn't gone through the pain that he went through. In a little while in his story, he's going to become the second most powerful man in the world. That's going to happen. That's coming down the line for him. And that never would have been a remote possibility had he not been going through the trials that he went through. If he'd have stayed at home and everything was hunky-dory, it never would have been a possibility. They were necessary to get him into positions where God could use him. In extraordinary ways. And we, when you think about what he, what he was going through. What he was experiencing. Uh, wouldn't, have been, wouldn't have been comfortable. These prisons weren't like what we think about when we think about prison. Uh, this has been more like a hellhole. I mean this is like a Vietnam prison camp. This is like North Korea stuff. You know where you're, you're in a, a, a dungeon being tortured. It would have been awful. And that was the place that God was forming him. It was there that God was softening his heart, where he had his attention. You know, sometimes it's in our deepest moments of pain that we hear God the loudest. When there, when there aren't any distractions and the, the safety of, of comfort has kind of been removed. And that, that was what was giving him the clarity and the perspective to be able to say later that, hey, this isn't about me. This is about God. This is all God's business. Some of us right now, we, we may feel a little bit of that in our life, that we feel miserable, we feel stuck. Uh, I know some people that would, uh, they describe their marriage that way. They say, I just feel miserable, I feel stuck, I, it's, a, it's a miserable existence. And what I would say, I hate that you feel like that. I really, I really, uh, I know the joy that, that is possible when, uh, when two people come together and, and decide to, to love each other and they decide to continue to hang in there and endure and push through even the hard stuff. But it does take work. It doesn't happen naturally. I think we, we kind of forget that you know, marriage is in all tingly-wingly feelings. I heard a story about a couple that had been married like 50 years and they never argued. You never hear an argument or a fight out of them. And so... Uh, on their 50th anniversary, 
the young guy comes up to the husband and he asks him, he says, you know, how in the world, what is your secret? You guys, you get along so great and never hear anything, you know, any argument or anything like that. What, how, how do you do that? And the old man said, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. When we first got married, we were on our honeymoon. And one day on the honeymoon, we decided we were going to go horseback riding. So my new wife and I, we get on horses and we're, we're going along. <clears throat> and uh, all of a sudden, my wife's horse just started getting a little wild and started bucking and uh, started kicking. And it threw, threw her off. And he says, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, but she just stood up real calmly, kind of brushed herself off, went over and grabbed the horse by the halter and looked it right in the eyes and said, that was your first time. She gets back on the horse, and we just keep going along a little, little more. Sure enough, the horse kind of did it again, bucks, and threw her off again. And I said, oh, man. But she just got up, kind of dusted herself off again, real calm, cool, and collected, grabbed the horse, looked at it, and said, that was your second time. She gets back on. Sure enough, third time, the horse kicks her off again. She stands up, dusts herself off, real calm, cool, grabbed her purse, pulled a gun out, and just shot the horse dead right on the spot. He said, I, I just couldn't believe what I just seen. He said, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy or something? Like, how, how could you do that? And she just very calm and cool looked at me and said, that was your first time. <laughs> now, some of you, some of you have been married a long time. And, uh, and there's a reason that you've been married a long time. You've learned some things. Along the way, and maybe you would say, boy, we, you know, we used to fight a lot when we were young, but we really don't fight that much anymore, uh, or at least you know, it's, it's changed a little bit. And the reason why is because of the things that you've gone through together, the lessons that you've learned together. Those trials, those tough times, developed character, and, and you grew through it, even though you may have hated each other in the moment. As you came through it, it, it produced something that nothing else could have produced in your life. And, and you, you know that you know, this is, it's so much better on the other side. You have to build character together. Sometimes that just means just hang on. Just brace yourself. It's not always fun. But when in, the, when in this word did God ever say to us, Hey, listen, life is going to be all fun. You'll never have any hard times. If it's not fun all the time, then, then uh, you know, something must be wrong. That's not what it says. As a matter of fact, it says the opposite. Hebrews 12, 11 says that no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are tra trained in this way. And for Joseph, he had interpreted these dreams for, for those two for those two guys in prison, the cupbearer and the, the baker. Uh, he, he told the cupbearer, in three days, Pharaoh's going to restore you back to your position and you won't be in prison anymore. Uh, he actually told the baker the opposite. He said, in three days, the Pharaoh's going to have you killed, which ends up happening. It's, but uh, he said, when that happens for the, uh, for the, the cupbearer, the Pharaoh's going to restore you to your position in three days. And, he, and Joseph asked him a favor. He said, when that happens... Will you please remember me? I'm stuck in this prison. 
I shouldn't be here. But when, when, this, when Pharaoh gets you out of here, would you mention it to Pharaoh so that I can get out of here? And it happened. Three days later, the cupbearer gets out, but he forgets about Joseph. Verse 23 says, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. He stays there for two more years. Two more years of this misery and this pain when finally the Pharaoh has a dream and he wants to know what, what's, the, what's the meaning of it. Nobody can help him. Nobody has the answer. When the cupbearer remembers, it, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a guy in prison that interprets dreams. We ought to go get him. And so the Pharaoh had this really strange dream where he, there, were, there were these seven fat cows and there were seven skinny cows. He said, in my dream, they come out of the Nile and, and, and the seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows. And he's like, I, I don't know what that, what that meant. So they sent for Joseph to interpret. You've got to imagine by this point, if, if you put yourself in his position, I mean, years of this, his life being turned upside down. I would imagine that by this point, you don't want anything to do with dreams anymore. Because every time he's has one or somebody tells him about one, it, it's not good for him. You know, he, his brothers threw him and sold him into slavery, and, and now the, the cupbearer forgot all about him. Now the Pharaoh wants to see him. And he, I imagine he's probably, man, I, I don't know about this. But this is where he finds himself. Verse 15, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. And no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. And now notice, notice the change in him. Notice what's changed in Joseph. This has been a long road, but he says, verse 16, It is beyond my power to do this, he replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. He's finally arrived at a place of humility and maturity. It took a while. There were a lot of trials, but... He would never have been this man had he not gone through what he went through. And so he interprets the dream, and, and what it was is God was showing them that in Egypt, they, they were going to have seven years of prosperity. That's what the seven fat cows represent. There's seven years of bumper crops, and everything's going great up and to the right. And then after those seven years, there's going to be seven years of famine where the, the land will produce nothing and everybody's going to be struggling. It's going to wipe out all the previous earnings. So he says in verse 33, he says, Therefore, what you need to do, he said, that's what the dream means, but Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses, store it away, and guard it so that there will be food in the cities. That way, there'll be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine is going to destroy the land. And so Pharaoh tags Joseph. He says, well, you're a smart guy. You're it. And, and, and just in a moment, he goes from prison to the second most powerful man in the world at the time. And, and he does a great job in that position. He does so great, saving all of this grain over seven years. They collect it. They store it. Famine hits. Everybody's hurting. Nobody's got anything to eat. But they have food for their people in Egypt. 
They're, they're able to provide, the government is able to provide for people when the, when the ground could produce nothing. But that famine is interesting. It didn't just hurt Egypt. It also hurt all the surrounding nations as well. So now all these other nations are coming to Joseph, brokering deals for grain. And so Egypt, not only do they have food to feed their own people, now they're feeding people in surrounding nations and they're making money. And so it, this is really turning out well. They're profiting all because Joseph was able to interpret this dream and make sure that all this happened. And eventually, what we'll see, as you go on a little bit further, what you see is some of the people who traveled to Egypt in search of grain to meet with Joseph were his brothers. They didn't know what happened to him. They had no idea that he was still alive. They certainly didn't know that he was second in command in Egypt, and now here it is, years and years later, his brothers come to Egypt and they bow before Joseph in need, and he remembered the dream that he'd had all those years ago. And his brothers didn't recognize him. You got to remember, you know, they're, you know, they're uh, they're Hebrews, and now he's in Egypt, and he's been living like an Egyptian for all these years. He's dressing like an Egyptian. He's you know, he's walking like an Egyptian. He's wearing the paint and the makeup and all the stuff. So, and he's speaking, the Latin, he's speaking Egyptian. He's not, and so they, they look at him and, and they don't recognize him. But this is, this is part of the, the beauty of the story of Joseph. The dream became reality. There's a long and difficult, twisted road to get there. But there it is. And so what about your dream? What about the, the, the passions that God has laid on your heart that you feel has been covered up? Or life took a, a weird, sharp turn that you didn't expect. and So you, you knew that God had plans for you, but now, and you knew he made you for a purpose, but now it just feels like it's over. You have to be able to take a punch and hang on to it. If God said it, he will be faithful. He will be faithful to his word. And you've got to continue to walk. You've got to continue to trust. It hasn't been flushed out because of trials. The dream that God placed on, in, in your heart and on, on your life, what, what happens often for us is we feel when God is he, he's moving in us and, and, and he's got a plan for us and the dream, maybe it doesn't feel like it's working out. We feel like it's over. But the dream doesn't change, but the understanding of it may. The interpretation of it might change. It may not be what we thought it was, because we can kind of see everything linear. We think, okay, well, this is, I feel like God wants me to go there, and so what's the shortest distance between point A and point B? It's just a straight line, right? That's the way we would interpret it. And what we often learn through trials is that wasn't God's plan. He's going to get us there, but it's not going to look the way that we thought it was going to look. You've always had a dream, maybe for you, you've always had a dream to get married, and you want to have a family, but that, <clears throat> but that may not mean that the road to get there is going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Maybe it means that marriage is going to be harder than you expected. I can guarantee that's true. Maybe it means that having children of your own isn't God's intention for you. Maybe he means that he wants you to open your heart and to lift your eyes to think about the idea of adopting a child that is not your blood, but that becomes your child. 
Maybe that is part of his plan for you. Maybe in this season of waiting, whatever it is, he's teaching you about, about trust and how to really draw near to him and, and learn how to be dependent on him, finding hope in the middle of disappointment and grief. Maybe your dream is uh, you, you, you want to have an impact. You, you want your life to matter. I know every young person in here, that's, that's, that's what's on their radar, is what am I going to do? What am I going to do that makes a difference? How will I you know, impact the, the world around me? And, and you're called to do that, but you've got to learn to be patient. You've got to learn to be patient. We, we, you've you got to hear this. We, we live in a world that is... We are so obsessed with instant gratification. You can boil water in 30 seconds. You know, I mean, it's just, we, we don't wait. We, we don't even work through social situations anymore. Now we just download an app. You know, we want to date somebody. We download an app and we just swipe, 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 and we feel like we're hot stuff there. It's, it, it doesn't take any courage. There's a, this absence of the practice of waiting and growing and deepening and learning courage and, and trials and, and falling down and getting back up. When we're uncomfortable, we just look for an easier way. That's kind of human nature. It's not, that's, not a, a, that's not a ding on young people. That's all of us. We're always by, we're creatures of, we just seek out comfort and, and ease. Uh, we give our, our college students Trigger warnings, you know, so they don't have to experience anything uncomfortable. I, <clears throat> I heard a story of a prestigious university recently had a class on world religion. And the day that they were going to talk about Christianity, the professor sent out an email to all the students and said, hey, we're going to talk about Christianity. And part of that is we're going to talk about crucifixion. Now, if that's too uncomfortable for you, it's okay for you to miss that day. I thought, my gosh, you know, it's the, the biggest thing in the world. And we're talking about Jesus and crucified. And we're, we're saying, oh, but it's, it's okay if, you, if that's too hard. If that's too hard, soft people create hard times. Trials produce character. You, you need resistance. You need to push through the hard things to become the person God wants you to be. You can't avoid that. You shouldn't avoid it. And the struggle that you're in right now may, may well, very well, be part of God's plan for your life. Not because he's cruel, not because he's trying to beat you up, but because he's determined to put some muscle mass on you. Because he wants you to be strong. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to know that with God, all things are possible. Don't feel like you were so certain about your future that as soon as something doesn't go your way, then, then it's over. It may it may well be that God is still trying to show you the way, but you've got to brace yourself. Allow some time for God to develop what he's developing and, and let that formation process be your friend. And that's what we're going to see next week as we kind of close up this story of Joseph. He finally realizes that the dream that God gave him has, has come, become reality. And his words to his brothers were, don't be angry at yourselves for selling me. Don't beat yourselves up for what you did to me because it was God who sent me here to save your lives. That's the message that he has for them. We'll see next week. So maybe, just, just perhaps, just perhaps, the problem you're facing right now is not a setback. It feels like a setback. But maybe it's a setup 
for God to really move in a way that you didn't think was possible and to be part of your story later. That's what I know our God loves. He specializes in that. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for for being a, a God who is so intimately involved in our lives that you are concerned about the small things. That not a, not a moment in our life is wasted, that these, these hard, difficult things we bump into, you're using them all to make us who you want us to be. You're producing endurance and character and perseverance. You call us to be people who are gritty. You call us to be people of courage and character. You call us away from fear and weakness. So, Lord, help us to focus on that, to understand and to trust the process that you have us in right now. No matter how painful it is, help us to cling to you because we know that not only are you a God who produces character, but you are a God who is close, that it's your love and your tender kindness that is able to carry us through those moments. So, Lord, help us to just trust ourselves in your hands. Continue to to fill us with faith as we walk beside you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you next week.